Hello, and welcome to the Net Politics podcast. I'm Adam Siegel, and I'm here today with Chris Painter, the coordinator for cyber issues from the State Department. Chris, thanks for being with us. Sure. Happy to be here. Uh, Chris, so we see, uh, I would say, some significant accomplishments uh, on the U.S. side, uh, in particular when President Xi visited the United States uh, in September. He agreed that uh, states should not knowingly support cyber espionage. Uh, and the Chinese now seem to have signed a similar agreement with the UK and and with Germany. So are we getting traction on this norm against cyber espionage? And, and why do we think that the Chinese have seemed to have come around on this? So first I'd say, I mean, the president and really the administration has been very clear about our concern about theft of intellectual property for commercial purposes. And it was also clear in the run-up to the Xi visit that this was going to be a major issue and a major sticking point in the relationship, not just in the cyber channel, but overall. Uh, so I think that that uh, did lead to the agreement that we got. And I do think it's a significant agreement. I think there was no recognition before that there was this area that was something that states should not engage in and getting a very direct, clear statement from President Xi that's, that uh, neither the U.S. nor China and states generally should not condone or promote or engage in the theft of intellectual property, including trade secrets, for purposes of uh, their commercial sector and commercial gain is significant. And in many ways, um, that, I think, changes the conversation and the tone and also provides a, a, a real uh, metric to measure Chinese behavior. And as the president said in the Rose Garden uh, at the, um, the press conference that was held there, we're going to be watching very carefully to make sure that actions meet words. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important thing going forward. As far as promoting that and the rest of the norms that we've been promoting in the context of the applicability of international law, and that's an important part of the, the package, uh, I think there's been a lot of good progress this year, certainly in this group of governmental experts recently, where uh, not that particular norm, but more the political military norms, not attacking infrastructures, not attacking certs, using certs for good, and, uh, and cooperating when malicious code is seen from emanating from your territory. All those are key measures to promote stability. And I think it's fair to say that you know now taking this intellectual property and trade secret theft norm, which is somewhat of a trade norm uh, and can be used and I think promoted in a number of trade venues as well uh, uh, to, to try to take this forward, but it's clearly an administration priority and indeed a presidential priority to promote these norms in bilateral, multilateral settings, and you'll see a lot of that over the next year. As you said, the president said we're going to have to watch how this develops. You know, we had this report maybe last week or the week before that some of the comp cybersecurity companies have seen or haven't seen any downturn yet. Are we too early to tell? Or are we? Look, I mean, I think we are clearly monitoring and we're clearly looking at what Chinese behavior is. We're taking seriously any reports we see and we're certainly investigating those. Uh, but we, we do plan to hold them accountable. And, and I'd also say that simply the agreement of that norm is not enough. We do want to see a change in behavior. And, and this doesn't resolve every issue we have with the Chinese. Uh, and certainly we are going to continue and, and use uh, tools that we have at our disposal to make sure we're protecting our businesses and our people. But we are going to be looking very carefully. One of the one of the areas that seems also to be progress, as you mentioned, in the group of government experts and was also mentioned in the the Xi-Obama agreement was this norm against uh, not attacking critical infrastructure in, in peacetime. 
as with so many of these things, there's going to be some kind of definitional issues involved. And are we are we worried that one man's critical infrastructure is another man's kind of, it's not going to be defined the same way? Or I, I, I'm not worried. I do think this is a subject for future discussion. But first, you have to understand that a norm is something that's not a binding international law. What it is, is it's voluntary, it is um, non-binding, and it's a principle. But as more and more countries sign up for this norm, as more and more countries adopt and embrace this, uh, it provides a context where we can hold countries accountable as a group of countries that are like-minded. As far as the, the definitional issue of critical infrastructure, yes, I've had some, uh, some conversations with colleagues about what that means. However, I think most people recognize that critical infrastructure, while we can further discuss this and will further discuss this, they have a basic idea of what critical infrastructure means in the context of not attacking it. And these are things that would really have a, a major effect, uh, you know, major economic damage, loss of life, you know, major uh, disruption in an economy or, or uh, another, another state. And so uh, there's also, I think, an argument that you don't want to define with great specificity what critical infrastructure is because you don't want people just creeping up to the line. This is one of the issues that you deal with in uh, these issues in the physical world, not just in the cyber world. But I do think that not having a straight definition, and you would need a definition if we're talking about you know, illegally binding regulation. This is not that. But having a general understanding is important. And then taking that forward and maybe even thinking about categories, categories that could be you know, electrical supply or, or water or tra public transit, uh, rather than specify individual critical infrastructure. I think probably one of the most dramatic changes in your in your time in the office is that the Chinese used to be reactive, right? Uh, uh, President uh, Secretary of State Clinton made uh, three internet speeches and the Chinese just criticized it. And now I think over the last year and a half with the uh, Cyberspace Administration of China and the increasing international um, prominence of Liu Wei, we, we see the Chinese promoting their own norm, right, of, of, of internet sovereignty or cyber sovereignty. How do we differentiate that norm from the commonplace acceptance that states have the right to control what happens uh, internally. So sovereignty obviously has a place in cyberspace just less it, like it does in the physical world. And we even note that in the GGE report. But there's a difference between sovereignty and absolute sovereignty. You don't have absolute sovereignty. Absolute sovereignty as a concept cannot exist in a way that would prevent, for instance, the exercise of universally recognized human rights uh, that, that countries also recognize. So there is a limit to what a country can control by sovereignty. And to the extent China has become more active in trying to promote some of its own norms, the thing about norms, and the reason the ones that we've advanced have gotten so much uptake in a pretty short time, Adam, and we, we started promoting some of these norms just a couple of years ago. And if you think of how foreign relations normally works and how long it takes to get acceptance, the fact we've gotten so much acceptance so quickly, I think, is remarkable. One of the reasons for that is these are norms that are attractive to all states. When you say don't attack the critical infrastructure absent wartime of a state or that there are laws that apply in cyberspace both above the, uh, armed above the threshold of armed conflict and below it. Those are real stability measures that benefit everyone. They just don't benefit one state. So if the Chinese are trying to get others to sign on to a norm of absolute sovereignty, we're not going to sign on to it. It doesn't make sense. It's not uh, consistent with international law, and it certainly doesn't serve all the world's interests. Chris, thanks very much for being with us today. Sure. Happy to be here.